0: Hello and welcome to today's edition of Family Life Today, hosted by Dave and Ann Wilson. Family Life Today is presented by Power to Change, known in the U.S. as Family Life. We hope the program will encourage you in your most important relationships.
1: So one of the things I didn't understand when we first got married, and it really frustrated me, is I would tell you how beautiful you were and how I appreciated your beauty, and you Almost every time, if I remember right, I was like no, I'm not. I did.
2: I didn't believe
1: you, and I literally thought you were kidding because yeah. I was like, of course, you know how beautiful you are. Look in the mirror; you're gorgeous. And you kept saying it, and I just get, I get frustrated, and then I, I reacted so poorly. I was like, I'm not gonna say it anymore because you just <laughs> poo poo it. And then it hit me. I don't know what years, Like, oh my goodness, you really don't believe you're beautiful.
2: Well, it's interesting. There's always a story behind the story because when I was 16, I was a cheerleader and it was a big day because we're going to have our pictures taken for the football program. And so we were all getting ready at my friend's house and, you know, I walked in my friend's house and my friend's mom said, oh, Ann, you look so cute today. And I said, oh, thanks. So we all got ready. We walked out the door to take our pictures and I forgot something, so I came back inside, and I heard my friend's mom and my friend's sister talking as I was grabbing my, I think it was a brush, and I heard my friend's sister say, I can't believe you told And she's cute, she is so ugly, and her mom said, I know, but she tries hard, and I picked up my brush, and I walked out the door to smile for the pictures. And boy, you talk about feeling ugly and unworthy and full of shame. And I also felt like, oh, when people tell me things that are nice, they're just lying. And so every time you said that, I would flash back to that moment and think, protect your heart, protect your heart. It's not true. He's probably just lying.
1: I did not understand the depth of shame, of shame you carried, and it was real. And I think we all have a sense of that. And we've got Ron and Nandio back in the studio today. I'm not going to say, "Hey, mm. we got Ron and Nan." They got a bunch <laughs> of shame. Jason, they in the
3: here. <laughs> you could say that, but now we, we all do.
1: I mean, we're so glad you're here because we started a conversation yesterday about shame, mm-hmm. yeah. and
3: today we're going to take it a little farther. Uh, I interviewed Dr. Kurt Thompson for the Family Life Blended Podcast, and he is an expert on shame and how it impacts us, and. and spiritually, as well as relationally and emotionally. You know, one of the things I've learned from Kurt is that when somebody is vulnerable with a piece of their heart and their life, something that has brought them shame in the past, that those are moments, what brings healing in that moment, what can bring healing is for somebody to just not push it away, but to lovingly respond and simply say, I see you and I'm Mm -hmm. sorry about that. And I'm here And even though you just shared that part of you that you're really ashamed of, uh, I'm not leaving. And so, Anne? Mm -hmm. Yes,
4: I was just about to say. We're not
3: leaving. I am so
2: sorry that happened to you. Isn't that funny? It's so long ago and Mm -hmm. still can bring tears to my eyes. Yeah.
3: As we said yesterday in the broadcast, it's literally embodied in you. That's what Mm -hmm. shame does. It takes up residence in us. And so there's a memory and a feeling and a thought of unworthiness that's all attached to that. Mm. And it's terrible. And it makes us think if other people think that stuff too, that they're not gonna be moving toward us, they're not gonna care about us, that it's all pretend, as you said, they're lying and it's just pretend and I really can't trust this relationship. We don't think any less of you, you know. just know that we're here and we'll continue in friendship. Uh, with you even knowing what we now know Hmm. about that part of your heart and your life and of course the person who has done this best in history Hmm. (laughs) is our lord yeah Hmm. and i can't wait to share this clip with everybody today and kurt's going to be talking about how Hmm. jesus did this because this has implication for me as a parent for me as a husband for me as a friend as a leader
5: One story that jumps to my mind immediately is Jesus in, in John's gospel in chapter four
3: hmm.
5: with the Samaritan woman.
3: I love that story. Yeah, and
5: there's several maneuvers in the dialogue, but one of the maneuvers that he brings to the table that she just doesn't see coming, mm. go and bring your husband, mm. and she has no idea <laughs> where she, where this is headed. And what he's saying is, go get the part of you that you're ashamed of. Mm. The part that I know that when these words come out of my mouth, you're going to, like, tell me a story Hmm. that is going to try to, like, stiff-arm me. Hmm.
3: But he wants the part of her that is thirsty.
5: All right. Yeah. And she says, oh, I'm not married. She's going to slip the noose. Yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, like, this is, Hmm. of course you're not married. Hmm. And then he wades into her shame. Hmm. He doesn't wait for her to go someplace else and get it cleaned up and bring it back to him, all neat and tidy. He wades into it. Mm -hmm. He sees it. And he comes for it. And what's really difficult is that we don't have a lot of practice being in places where it is the explicit intention of the relationships in that system to come and find other people's shame. This is a of why we are here. Mm-hmm. So, when Jesus meets Peter on the beach in John 21, if I am Peter. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to have a confidential psychotherapy session like in the own privacy of your office. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to have it in the waiting room. Yeah. No.
3: Jesus is going to wade right into it. Do you love me? Mm. And this is after Peter has denied him three times, after the resurrection. That's the context. Right.
5: But, also, after Peter somehow behaviorally has decided that, I guess I'm not going to fish for men. I'm just going back to the boat,
3: mm, mm.
5: which is what he's doing. He swims to shore and everything looks great, right? This is what, you know, Jesus sets it all up. We're like, with a woman, hey, mm. let's talk about water. Let's have breakfast. Yeah. And in the asking, do you love me? Of course, there is the implied statement That Peter has to decide, what he well, what is Jesus really saying? What's the statement behind the question? Is Jesus saying, I know what
3: you've done? Yeah. I know what you've done, and you are a horrible person, and I'm calling you out. Mm. Right.
5: I'll just make sure that everybody here doesn't have any doubt. Mm.
3: No. Just like the woman at the will. That was not the purpose. No. And Peter
5: deflects, right? Of course you do. Of course you do. And then we read the last time, and Peter was grieved in his heart that Jesus asked him yet a third time. Do you love me? Hmm. And it's easy, I think for me, easy for most to read that text and say, well, come on, like, what do you mean? Like, I'm grieved, like I'm... And I'm thinking, oh, my grief is not just that he has asked. My grief is that he has put his finger on my grief. Hmm. Hmm. He's opened the door and basically said, look, you say that you love me. And let's just be clear in front of everybody here, all the other disciples, you still believe that you don't, hmm. there's the part of you that knows you don't, there's the part of, like, I, if I'm Peter, I'm like, okay, fine, are you happy now? Hmm. Like, can we just admit, look, I threw you under the bus six weeks ago, is this what you're looking for? Fine, I'll just, like, I'll just go, I, maybe I'll just go back to the boat. And we have to remember that Jesus doesn't say it to Peter, I'm just checking to make sure that you've gotten those extra eight points on your test. Jesus says, I have work for you to do. Hmm. I have sheep for you to tend. And you're still harboring shame about what happened six weeks ago. And I don't want that to get in the way of the work that I have for you to do. I want you to know, like we're all gonna know that we all know that I know that you've got this shame, and we're gonna like we're not leaving that alone. We're mm-hmm. coming for this. Because if we don't, you will forever still be burning energy containing, managing that shame. Mm-hmm. And that will be energy that will not be available for you and me to co-create those good works that I have waiting for you from
3: before the foundation of the world. So here's what I hear you saying. In our shame, we live in the fear of other people recognizing what we're ashamed of and us becoming more isolated, so we tend to withdraw, and we're afraid of the face turning away from us. But what God does, what Jesus did with the woman at the well and with Peter, was even though the shame was there and he put a finger on it, He says to them, I'm not turning away from you. I'm coming toward you. I'm coming to you. Mm -hmm. We're going to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not abandoning you. Mm -hmm. You are not unworthy. You Mm -hmm. are not nothing. Mm -hmm. You are of great value, in Mm -hmm. fact. And Mm -hmm. so we're not going to continue to let shame get in the way. Right.
5: In fact, we would say, I mean, this is part of what Good Friday is all about. With crucifixion, God is saying... It's not just about this thing we call sin. It is about the fundamental embodied right to the history of the end of the earth experience of shame that I'm going to take on in my very embodied experience of being beaten, naked, Mm. put on a cross. There will be no shame that I don't know. Mm. Wow. And so when I come for you, Peter, in six weeks on the beach... You need to know, I know what this is like, and I'm not afraid of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of how much shame you have, which just means like, I don't care how much you do have, you can't make me leave the room. The challenge for us is
3: whether or not we will stay. I have to be seen. Right. I have to be willing to be seen, to take the risk of being known. I know I've experienced this in my own life. If I'm hiding some part of me, then I... Even though you may know a lot about me, you don't know that part of me. And so, there's always a part of me that's hiding. There's mm. always a part that's trying to stay one step ahead of what you know about me, mm. Mm. which means the shame still is a barrier. Right. It, it, it's no wonder that statement in Genesis 2 is so profound. They were right. naked and unashamed. Right. After that, we're, we're undoing ourselves <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> through our sin right. and through carrying of shame and our unwillingness to risk and be known. I see this affecting marriages. Hmm. I don't want to be known that much. Hmm. I want to be known a little bit. I see this impacting, you know, people in blended family situations where they have felt the shame or the judgment of other Christians uh, often within the church over this divorce and your past. And somehow I just don't feel living up to what God wants for us. And so it's that second class thing just perpetually lives on inside them. It's so, so much so that they don't want to go to church, or maybe I go, but I just stay over here and not really get involved. And I never volunteer. And I don't, I would never actually go to a small group where people are talking about this part of their life because then you're going to know that about me and mm-hmm. you might turn your face
0: mm-hmm.
3: away from me. It's mm-hmm. so debilitating when mm-hmm. we continue to allow it to pervade our life. You're listening to Family
1: Life Today and a conversation Ron Deal had on the Family Life Blended podcast with Dr. Kurt Thompson. And all I got to say, and we've got Ron and Nan in the studio. What do you, I mean, what do you guys think? There was so much hmm. there. I don't hmm. even know where to yeah. start. It was Nan, loaded. I
2: want to hear from you because it's such a treat to have you with us. You've been sharing parts of your story. What goes through your mind?
4: What goes through my mind is I hate shame. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, was shamed for a long time in my past. I felt shame in my marriage and seasons. And I feel like my voice was stifled because I believed the lies of shame. Hmm. There's so much that I could have done. Now I know I'm doing it now. Thank God for that. But I just hate shame. Hmm. It debilitates us. It isolates us. It keeps us from doing what God has called us to do and to bring glory to Him. I so relate to the woman at the well. Mm. I was that woman. I did a lot of things in the dark of the night. Mm. And yet the Lord came for me, just Mm -hmm. like He did that woman.
2: Went out of His way. Went out of His way. and for us. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm. And if I could say anything to the listener— It's not believing those lies anymore, not letting the enemy get a foothold or take up residence. I remember one clear, distinct moment in our marriage early on in ministry, and I'd gotten messages, you know, you didn't grow up in the church, shame. Um, You're really not minister's wife material, shame. So I felt like, okay, I don't have a voice here. I shouldn't speak. And also the messages of, your husband's so amazing, he's got this master's <laughs> degree, he's the expert. Shame. And so I remember early on, Ron really wanting us to speak together. And we would get up to speak and he would say, okay, hey. Or after we would speak, he'd say, hey, sorry if I'm throwing you under the bus, That's honey. Okay. I, I'm <laughs> sure trying not I have to some shame sh- you here. <laughs> I have some
3: shame behind what I said to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
4: And he said, hey, you shouldn't do it that way. And instead of taking that as constructive criticism. I heard a truckload of shame Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from day one of my life. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. And so, I shut down and I said, forget it. I'm not going to speak with Mm -hmm. you. I'm out. Think about how many years I could have been used by God, but I went into the closet, so to speak. Yeah. I allowed the enemy To reign there, and His truth was my truth. Mm. I don't have a voice. I don't have a platform here.
2: It's terrible. It is terrible. And I love you. And I see the gifts that God put in you. And you're such a great communicator. And we all fall into Satan's traps.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And yet, I love that you're talking about it now. Yes. Because when we come out of hiding... It's like Satan and the enemy and the world's lies and our past, that grip starts to loosen.
4: Exactly. Mm
3: -hmm. You know, when we talked about Jesus is coming for our shame, it's not to make us feel bad about ourselves. It's to say, look, I see this thing that has got you completely wrapped up on the inside and you really can't be who I've created you to be. And so I'm coming for it. So that you will know that I love you in spite of all of that. So you will know that you're completely naked, seen. I know you through and through. You're not hiding anything. And I'm still here. Hmm. I'm still coming for you. And I'm never leaving. Right. Now, the backstory to what I said to Nan is that I now understand is that I had this great need to perform, to do well in front of an audience. And for us together— to do well together. And so, yeah, there's some little constructive criticism in there, but it was also mm. probably much more about, I needed us to look a certain way, to act a certain way, for her to be a certain thing. It was so shame. It was, it's all of my shame. So now my shame's pushing off shame onto her. <laughs> Shamed people will shame people. It's just this crazy cycle that we get in. I had to let Jesus come for my shame, meaning I had to start being honest and real and open about that because that's the only way I can see it for what it is. And I can finally say, you know what? This doesn't make me a horrible person. Jesus still loves me. He's not leaving. Some people will leave you because of imperfections as into our character or something about us, but he doesn't. One of the things Dr. Thompson said that
1: Is equally as true as will we stay? Mm -hmm. Yes.
4: Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of energy to stay. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is one thing to know my
1: spouse isn't leaving or my friend or my parent. But when I feel that shame, I leave. Even though they may not be leaving, I don't want to live with myself. I won't walk on the stage again, or I'll just, I'm I,
2: just shut down. Emotionally. You have
1: to mm-hmm. embody the identity that Christ says about you to be able to stay. Otherwise you're like, I'm not worthy enough to stay here. Right. And we remove ourselves mm-hmm. and we miss out on God's desire for our life. And I think so many of us miss mm-hmm. because of shame. And it's
2: John eight thirty six. If the sun sets you free, hmm. you sure. will be free indeed. And I, I have this passion, like I hear this stuff, like I see so many women, I'm working with women generally that are in bondage, yes. and I see this greatness in them. And I'm like, oh, I want that person that God created, the true identity for you to come out. I wish we were doing a better job at the church because sometimes we walk in the church and we can feel even more burdened with shame because we're not measuring up. And that's on us. We're carrying our own shame yes, and assumptions.
1: I don't claim to know exactly what Jesus meant by that, but it's interesting that he didn't just say, if the Son has set you free, you shall be free. He hmm. says, free indeed. Yeah, hmm. It's almost like he's hinting at, there's a freedom. And you may have tasted a little bit of that, but you don't know even hmm. the the <laughs> half of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about free indeed. And I think it's the shame. It's the sin that's hmm. captured us. It's the lies we live with. He's saying, no, I can set you completely free to a whole new life that you can't even imagine if you will just allow me hmm to give you what I can give you
2: Amen.
3: in Christ. Mm. So,
2: Ron, what's our action point?
3: Well, I know in our next broadcast, we're going to spend some time talking about this staying and letting Jesus come for our shame and how we as the church and how husbands and wives and parents can try to help one another wrestle with our own shame. I think the action point is, can I even admit it to myself? That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, let's start with that today. Can I even admit it to myself that there's a part of me that I am so embarrassed about that I just want to hide from others? And it's sort of this question. If if they were to see what I know about me, what would happen? And if you fill in that blank with, well, bad things are going to happen. You know, people aren't going to like me. People are going to reject me. Somebody's going to walk away. Uh, I wouldn't have friends anymore. That's shame talking. Like, you really don't know any of that would happen, but you believe it would happen. And so now I don't give you a chance to stay. Hmm. I don't give you a chance to see that part of me. I just keep hiding it. And now I'm constantly working. When Dr. Thompson talked about the emotional energy that it takes to hide those pieces of ourselves, hmm. like, that's a lot of work. Yes.
4: I think another piece to it, too, is the action point is confessional community. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, he's really confessing her stuff at the well. He's also confessing Peter's stuff, too. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times because you denied me, you denied me, you Mm. denied me. I mean, confession of ourselves, but in a community where it's received. I mean, in a way, you kind of confess this hard thing that happened to Mm. you. And here we were. We were here to receive it. We didn't run away. I think that's a big piece. It
3: is. It is.
0: the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. If you would like to purchase a CD of today's program, email us at radio at powertochange.org.au or go to the podcast section of our website, families.powertochange.org.au, where you'll find lots of information, news and resources. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.